0: Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life, so we encourage you to share your story with us at infofellowshipgj.com or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below this video, online at fellowshipgj.com, or if you are a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's service.
1: Good morning, church family. How are you guys doing today? Happy Thanksgiving weekend, you guys. It was so cool. I heard about this neural. A neurological study that happened a few years ago, and it showed that in your brain, when you're practicing gratitude, that there is no place for anxiety because the neurons that are firing are only Grateful, and I thought that that was so cool because we've seen that in Scripture, right? When we when we come with thanksgiving, when we come with praise, that's the best way into God's presence. And so I just thought that that was cool how science confirms that when we are thankful, when we praise God, when we give Him all of those things, there's no room for fear, there's no room for anxiety. So will you join me this morning in just giving Him praise, giving Him thanksgiving? Jesus, we love you. We thank you. for for everything that you've done. And we just invite you into this place. We invite you into our hearts. We invite you into our minds and we just wanna glorify you in Jesus name, amen. Come on church, let's worship.
2: it felt like to be far from Christ I remember feeling not enough feeling ashamed and overwhelmed with the mistakes that I knew in my heart of heart I'd made and I don't know if you in your own mind can take yourself back to a time before you knew Jesus and remember what it felt like Because that's part of what we do when we celebrate communion together is we look back and we think through what is it that our God has actually done for us? Colossians chapter one says, Jesus made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of his blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies separated him from him by your evil thoughts and actions yet now he has brought you back as friends and he has done this through his death on the cross in his own human body as a result he has brought you into the very presence of God and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault I love what Jesus did for us on the cross I love that while we were still sinners that Christ died for our sins, while our actions and our attitudes were were spitting in the very face of God that he still came, that he pursued us, that he sought us, that we're lost and he found us, and then he gave himself, his very life in our place, so that we could be saved from the guilt and the shame of the wrong that hung upon us. And so this morning, we're going to celebrate communion together as a church family, And as we get ready to do that, what we want to do is we want to pause, we want to search our hearts, we want to see if there's anything in us that we need to talk to the Lord about, any attitude, any action, any behavior that we know is just kind of creating a funk between us and God, and if it's there, we simply confess it. Confession just means admitting it. We say, God, I'm sorry for, and we just admit those things to the Lord, and in doing so, it washes us clean all over and then we're ready to receive communion as a church family. The Bible says on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took some bread. He gave thanks to God for it and then he broke it and he said, this is my body. It's my body, this is what's about to happen to me. He said, do this in remembrance of me. He challenged us as believers that we would continually come back to this moment and we'd remember what he was about to go through on the cross. And so, Jesus, we thank you for your body that was broken, your blood that was shed, for everything you endured so that I could be saved, so that we all could be saved. We are so grateful for you and everything you did. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's partake together. The Bible continues, and it says, in the same way he took the cup, wine and having given thanks he blessed it and he said this is a cup of the new covenant it's my blood that will be shed for all of you because the covenant said that without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sin so rather than my blood be shed or your blood be shed or the blood of animals be shed Jesus allowed his own blood to be shed and in doing so he washed away all of our sins the other thing that the communion cup celebrates is the fact that when Jesus was whipped and beaten, that it actually creates a way for us to be made whole. It says, by his stripes we're healed. So if you're in need of healing in your body, in your mind, in your heart, in your emotions today, you can simply ask the Lord during this moment and tell him what you need, where you need healing. Jesus, we thank you for your blood that was shed, that you would make us whole by your stripes that we can be healed. and We can have fellowship and friendship with you in spite of the fact that we really we don't deserve it but you made us worthy and you called us your friends and we're so grateful for that and we celebrate it together as we drink of the cup. Guys, God, God is so good to us and we now will continue to worship and sing and celebrate that goodness. Call. Bring you ourselves today our worship our song our heart our love our service we bring you ourselves and we thank you that you accept us as an offering and that you love us and god we want you to know that we are truly grateful we are very thankful for the things that you've done for us that you've done on our behalf we're grateful for the things that you've done within us in places that no one else can see the way that you've healed and made us whole. We just want you to know this morning that we love you. We are truly grateful. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, hello again, church family. If you would, turn and greet one another and make your way to your seats. If you're watching online, we'd love to extend a very special welcome to you. We're excited that you're here with us uh, streaming from wherever you're at. Um, If you're somewhere for Thanksgiving, write in the chat where you're watching from. Also, if you have a prayer request or a need, please feel free to use the prayer request button or just put that in the chat and people will pray for what you have going on. But happy Thanksgiving weekend everybody. I'm sure um, everyone's well-fed and had a great weekend. Hopefully you've already started some of your Christmas shopping and your Christmas planning. Maybe you're like one of those organized people that has like a list of all the people you're gonna buy for and what you're gonna buy. Um, Or maybe you're more of a person that wings it. But what I'd love to challenge you to do is take a moment in your gift giving thinking and decide what it is that you're gonna give to Jesus for his birthday this year. Like, right? He's the reason for this entire um, celebration, he's the very reason that we're celebrating Christmas, his birthday. And the Bible says repeatedly in the book of Exodus, do not come before the Lord empty-handed. Meaning when we come to his house, especially as the year is ending and we're preparing for his birthday, that we should bring a, a gift. Just like we give each other a gift, we should bring a gift to the Lord. And we want to, as his birthday approaches, put some thought into that. And what is that gift going to be and, and how are we going to sacrificially give to the Lord as this year comes to a close. So I want to challenge you that the word is so clear that if we bring whatever measure it is that we use to give, that same measurement will be used for us as we receive and that's found in Luke chapter 6. So let's pray together over this morning, the offering and the financial needs in the room. Now we know that you are the provider. You're the one who provides for us everything that we have and we are so, so grateful for that. And we pray in Jesus' name that you would continue to bless us. That you would pour out the resources that we need to make ends meet, to be blessed and prosperous. We pray for the stuff we already own and we ask that you would help us to last longer. And not to break down and just to get more use out of the things that we have. Help us to be good stewards of all that you've given to us. And for those in this room that are struggling or worried about money, God, we pray that you would supernaturally provide for them. And God, help us as we each think ahead uh, to the Christmas celebration of how we're going to give to you something really cool for your birthday this year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, there's always a ton of exciting things um, happening around the church. If you're newer to Fellowship Church, the first thing you need to do is you need to text the number 94000, text the word fellowship to that number, and it'll put you in touch with one of our pastors that can answer any questions you might have. About the church, we can get to know you a little bit and help you get connected within the church family. You can also stop by the information counter in the lobby. Just let us know that you're visiting. And they'll hook you up with like a whole bunch of different stuff that will help you understand Fellowship Church. And you'll get a gift card to go to the church's bookstore area and get a specialty coffee drink for you and everyone in your visiting party. But we're just thrilled that you're here. And we hope you enjoy Um, This is the time of year that our church family is our 13th year sponsoring kids in foster care and making sure that they have a Christmas. And um, you've probably seen on your way in all of the Christmas trees with the little angel ornaments on there. Those each represent a child in foster care or here within our own church family that is in need. And you can adopt one of those kids off that tree by taking that angel to the table. They'll help get you all the details and information of how and when to return your gifts. And we like to get those gifts back early so that we can get them packaged together, get them out to the agency, who gets them to the families, who gets them to the kiddos by Christmas. So the time frame is um, usually early December so you can get all those details when you check out your angel. But I'm so excited and proud that this is our 13th and never have we ever um, turned away an angel who's been requested from us. So thank you for all of that, for that generosity as you guys continue to give uh, to those kids. Such a precious program to make sure. Many times kids come into foster care with very few possessions or lose their possessions as they um, shift homes. But one regulation our county has is that any child who is given a gift during the time they're in foster care, that that gift becomes their possession and they take that with them no matter where they go. And that's a really big deal because these kids need things. They need all the same things that all the rest of our kids need. So please get involved in that program if that tugs on your heart. Well, today is Pastor Tim. He's going to be continuing in our series, Blind Spots. And you're in for a treat.
3: weeks, so probably you had some family in town, right? Or have you visited family. Do you have crazy family? You're in church. You can admit it. Some of you might be here this morning because you're escaping those crazy family members. Now, for me, I, I, to tell you the truth, I, 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 I can be crazy, and I can do some things that drive my family nuts. I, I can't. <laughs> my wife just made a comment there. It's not a... Re- It's a rhetorical question. Uh, And and the truth is, is some of those things I I enjoy doing. I enjoy doing some crazy things that drive my family crazy. And uh, there's a few things, one in particular that I do, and I'm going to admit this. I've never admitted this before, but I'm going to do it, and I'm going to hope my daughter doesn't watch this message so that she can't use this against me. But one of the things that I do is uh, if we're in a disagreement or an argument as a family, which we can do in the Roseberry household. We have a bunch of really high-point, choleric eight personality types. A lot of people in our family that like to be right. Okay, And so one of the things that we'll, that I'll do is so you get into an argument uh, with somebody, and it's usually something stupid. Like, you know, no, that actor was not that act, the same actor that was in that movie. Or no, no, that, that movie didn't come out then, it came out here. Or no, 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 the, the, the elevation of this is not that. Or the, the population of the city is not that, it should, it's this. And, you know, used to, used to, I could totally get away with being wrong, and and then I kind of, you know, in the middle of it, f- realize I'm wrong. And then I could just change the subject, and I would never get called on it. i just say, oh, you know what, this is silly. We don't need to talk about this right now. And most of the time, my family would forget about it we move on. But now, they fact-check me. <laughs> I call it being Googled. And when you get your kids a smartphone, know that you are going to be uh, susceptible to being Googled. So now what happens is, is if they think that I'm not correct, or if I'm, you know, making a stupid argument, they Google it. And then they tell me, no, Dad, see, I showed, look, right here. And then what I've done, then, in retaliation to that, is I just say, yeah, that's what I said. That's what I I was saying. And then their response is, no, 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 you said the other thing. I said, no, no, you said that. You said, I, I said what's on Google. But you're, you're, and they, oh, it drives them nuts, which just makes me so happy. <laughs> but here's the truth. I do that. It's, it's pride, it, especially for us guys, right? We never met an argument that we didn't want to win. And if we're not careful, we could, want, we could fight battles that are not worth fighting just for the case of being Right? And pride can be dangerous. Arrogance can be dangerous, right? And so we gotta be very, very careful with that. Now, we have been in this series called Blind Spots. Uh, We started it a few weeks ago. We started the first week with unresolved hurts, then we talked about discouragement, and then Pastor JL just did an incredible job talking about anger last week, which I've never seen her angry before. She's always just so peaceful, and all of those cleric points in her just are so subdued. She just never, ever gets mad. And then this week, we're talking about pride. Now, a blind spot is something that we have in our lives that we can't see, but others can't. And it's always detrimental. It's always something in us that if we're not careful, if we don't deal with, can cause us some problems. Now we're gonna be looking this morning in Judges chapter 13. And in this particular passage of scripture, we're gonna be looking at the time period of the Judges, which is about 400 years. And the Bible says, again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Philistines who oppressed them for 40 years. Now here's the thing about this particular time period is that children of Israel got into a cycle, and this cycle would just repeat over and over and over again, and this is what that cycle looked like. Israel would be doing good, they're serving the Lord, they're, they're listening to Him, and then they fall into sin, and almost always that sin was idolatry and so they would start worshiping the false gods and the, uh, of the land and they would get them into trouble and then they would be enslaved by whatever country's uh, gods they would start to worship and so that never went well for them, and then they would get tired of being enslaved, and then they would cry out to the Lord, Oh, Lord, we're sorry. Oh, Lord, we won't do that again. Oh, Lord, help us. And then God would come along with a judge who was kind of like a king, but they didn't have kings during the day. God didn't want them to have kings during the day, but he was okay with giving them judges. And these were uh, the, the people that would, would rule to a certain extent like a king, but would judge situations and would try to lead the spiritual, uh, uh, spiritual um Direction of the country. And so he would bring along this judge and then Israel would be delivered from their oppressors and then they would start serving the Lord again. And this happened over and over and over and over and over again. Verse two. In those days, a man named Manoah from the tribe of Dan lived in the town of Zorah. His wife was unable to become pregnant and they had no children. The angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah's wife and said, Even though you have been unable to have children, you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. So be careful. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink or eat any forbidden food. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son. And his hair must never be cut, for he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. He will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. So you can see where we're at in the cycle. This will be a man that God raises up to deliver Israel from the Philistines. Now, this is a famous man in the Bible, and we will remember his stories from the flannel graphs of Sunday school, right? And it was always this, uh, sto- the, the story that usually would intrigue little boys the most. I mean, it's Samson. Did you remember as a kid learning about Samson and how you wanted to be like Samson and how you thought Samson is a hero, Samson's awesome, I wanna be just like him. Well, the truth is Samson was awful. He was awful. He was a horrible person. He was super strong, but he wasn't a good person. Now, Samson was to be a Nazirite. Nazarites had to adhere to many strict rules outlined in number six. If you want to look at those rules, you can. It's right there in, the, in that sixth chapter of Numbers. And a few of them, even though there's a lot of different things they couldn't do, a few of the big ones were it's that they couldn't, they couldn't cut their hair. They couldn't cut their hair. They couldn't have alcohol or anything that was from a grapevine. They weren't even supposed to be around it. And they were never to touch or be around a dead body. Now, there's all kinds of spiritual implications to that, spiritual warfare implications to that. But we won't be able to go into that uh, tonight or this morning. It's something that we do talk about in spiritual warfare. And this, of course, was all to set themselves apart for the Lord. Now, we know from Scripture that the Philistines had been a thorn in Israel's side for hundreds of years because Israel didn't listen to God and destroy all their enemies when they came into the land of Israel. After Egypt, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. They came across the Jordan River. They subdued the land, and the Lord told them very specifically, I want you to wipe everybody out. Wipe them all out. And you might think, well, that's not a very nice thing. I mean, man, God's kind of being harsh. Well, he's doing that because he understands that the people of that land during the time were extremely pagan. They were heathen. And he knew if they stuck around, they would eventually be able to infiltrate the culture of the Hebrews and get them to change who they worshipped. And so that's why he wanted to make sure that that was done. But they didn't do it. They didn't follow through, and as a result, they're always having problems with these different countries, like different people like the Philistines and the Canaanites and so on. Verse 24, when her son was born, she named him Samson, and the Lord blessed him as he grew, and the Spirit of the Lord began to stir in him. Now, living in the New Testament, what we understand being filled with the Spirit, we understand that, that, that God, that Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit as a gift, somebody that could be a comforter and a counselor to us, somebody that can lead us and direct us. But this stirring was even more so an infilling of the Spirit because Samson was given great power and strength, like nothing that, that had ever been seen before. Chapter 14, verse 1 says, One day when Samson, Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women's caught his eye. When he returned home, he told his father and mother, a young Philistine woman in Timnah caught my eye. I want to marry her. Get her for me. Now his father and mother objected. Isn't there even one woman in our tribe or among all the Israelites you could marry? They asked. Why must you go to the pagan Philistines to find a wife? Now, Israelites were not supposed to intermarry with Philistines. Truthfully, they were supposed to wipe those people out when they came into the land, but they weren't supposed to marry with, them because, marry with them or intermarry with them because the Lord knew that they would be able to influence them to worship false gods, which they did over and over again, which is the cycle that we talked about uh, at the beginning of this message. But Samson told his father, get her for me. She looks good to me. In other words, Samson said, she's hot, and I want her. I don't care. I don't care what the Bible says. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what my family says. I want her. His father and her mother didn't realize the Lord was at work in this, creating an opportunity to work against the Philistines who ruled over Israel at the time. So even though this was against God's law, God was going to use it for the betterment of his people. That's just how God is. There's times where we will make mistakes, but God will use it for the betterment of his kingdom. He will use it for his plan. And that's what he does uh, in this specific situation with Samson. Verse 5, as Samson and his parents were going down to Timnah, a young lion suddenly attacked Samson near the vineyards of Timnah. At that moment, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him and he ripped the lion's jaw apart with his bare hands. He did it as easily as if it were a young goat, which I I don't even think I could do a young goat. I mean, but this, he did it with a lion. But he didn't tell his father or mother about it. Didn't tell them about it. Now, why do you think Samson didn't tell his parents? I mean, truthfully, if I kill a lion, I'm going to be on social media. I'm going to be taking selfies. I'm going to be like, yeah, I did that. But he didn't tell anybody. He kept it to himself. Verse 7. Now when Samson arrived in Timnah, he talked with a woman and was very pleased with her. Isn't it interesting? He, he didn't know this woman. He just saw her. And he wanted her. And so then he goes back to Timnah just so he can spend some time with her. And then later, when he returned to Timnah for the wedding, so this relationship moved at light speed He turned off the path to look at the carcass of the lion, and he found that a swarm of bees had made some honey in the carcass. He scooped some of the honey into his hands and ate it along the way. So, you know, he's walking along, and he's a little prideful, a little arrogant, starts thinking about when he kills the lion. He's like, hmm, wonder if it's still there. I'm going to go back and look at that. So he scooped some of the honey into his hands, and he ate it along the way. He also gave some of it to his father and mother, and they ate it. But he didn't tell them that he had taken the honey from the carcass of a lion. Once again, he didn't tell his parents. Why? Well, he probably, probably didn't want to tell them because, because he knew that he was in a place he probably shouldn't have been. He was in a vineyard. He's not even supposed to be around wine. And even though it doesn't say that he, you know, drank wine or he ate grapes, the truth is is he put himself in a bad situation. And then he touched a dead body. And we know this because he got honey from the carcass. So he's putting himself in a a really precarious situation, and he does that by uh, violating his Nazarite vow to the Lord. So we begin to see a couple of blind spots pop up in Samson's life. The first of which he refuses just to listen to counsel from those that love him and care about him. His parents are trying to tell him, don't go down this road. But he doesn't listen. He doesn't care. Now, if you're a student in this service, if you're a a kid or maybe you're in 4640, let me tell you this. Listen to your parents Right? We have been there. We have done that. We have gone through that. You will be saved so much hardship if you will just listen to your mom and dad. They will help you. Now, here's the other thing. Maybe you're in a small group or you have a Bible study and you've you got really good Christian people around you. Listen to them. Talk to them about the decisions that you make. If you're making a big purchase or you're making a major decision in your life, how many people are you asking their advice of before you pull the trigger on that decision? Or do you just pull the trigger? Do you just go, well, it's worked for me up to this point. I don't really need to talk to anybody about it. I'm just going to do what I want to do. Okay, If you've been alive any period of time, you know that that is not a good way to live. And this is, though, how Samson is living. So he doesn't listen to counsel, and then he also begins to compromise. He Begins to compromise. He begins to violate his vows, and he's not honest with his parents, not to mention he's getting ready to marry a Philistine. Now this pattern of compromise and cover-up begins to be a mainstay in Samson's life, and it begins to destroy him. So Samson goes to marry his new wife, and he begins to party with his groomsmen, who were Philistines. So he's not only marrying a Philistine who he shouldn't marry, but he's also hanging out. All of his buddies are Philistines. All of his groomsmen, all the people that are he's, he's closest to are, are from this pagan culture. And during this celebration, he gets cocky, and he decides to make a wager with them. And he says to them, if you can give me an answer to my riddle, I'll give you all fine new outfits. But if you can't, by the end of the wedding celebration... You have to give me 30 sets of clothes. So he had 30 groomsmen, and a, a wedding during this time lasted seven days. So he says at the beginning of the seven days, I'm going to give you this riddle. You give me the answer by the end of the seven days, I'll give you clothes. If you don't get it, you got to give me those 30 outfits. Must have been really into outfits. I don't know. Then he gives them this riddle. One, or out of the one who eats Came something to eat, out of the strong came something sweet. Now, of course, they won't be able to figure this out. I mean, he's talking about the lion. He's talking about the honeycomb, right? Because he knows that nobody, ha- nobody knows what he's done. So he thinks this is going to be easy. I'm going to get this. I'm going to win the bet. I- I'm going to be the big guy on campus. I'm going to get all this new wardrobe. Three days go by, and they haven't solved it yet. Then in verse 15, on the fourth day, they said to Samson's wife, entice your husband to explain the riddle for us, or we will burn down your father's house with you in it. Did you invite us to this party just to make us poor? So Samson's wife comes to him in tears and says, you don't love me. You hate me. You have given my people a riddle, but you haven't told me the answer. Sounds like Amnon from week two, doesn't he? Well, does actually a little bit. He says, I haven't, I haven't even given the answer to my father and mother. Why should I tell you? So she cried whenever she was with him and kept it up for the rest of the celebration. At last, on the seventh day, he told her the answer because she was tormenting him with her nagging. Then she explained the riddle to the young men. So Samson... Has the strength to kill a lion with his bare hands, but is powerless against a nagging woman. She does him in. Now they, of course answer the riddle, and it infuriates Samson. So he goes, and he doesn't go to Cole's and pick out 30 outfits. He doesn't run down to the local Dillard's and pick him out something and bring it back to him. No, he goes and kills. 30 philistines takes their clothes and then gives it to his his uh, groomsmen he's so angry at this point that he returns home with his family and then the father of the bride ends up giving his wife over to his best man yeah he's like I've paid for all this I Seven days of food and wine and, 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 uh, and outfits and ceremonies. Doggone it, you're going to marry somebody. And so he gives Samson's wife to his best man. Now, this really infuriates Samson. And he gets so mad that he goes out and he catches 300 foxes, which is hard to do, by the way. He ties them together and sets fire to their their tails and turns them loose into the Philistine crops and burns them all to the ground. That's what he does. So he's pride, his ego is working against him. It he takes matters into his own hands and he gets revenge. Now, why is he so angry? Well, obviously there's some things in there that have happened that have caused a person to, to get a little angry, but really to go to these lengths? Well, it's all driven by pride. Your anger and the amount of anger that you feel will always be driven by pride. His ego's hurt because they figured out his riddle. His ego's hurt because his fiance had had told his secret. So he, he goes home like a little child, leaving the wedding party and his future wife. And then his ego is hurt again because she marries someone else. And this all started with a riddle out of pride and ended up with an inferno due to pride. But through all of this, God's plan is still working. God used Samson and his anger to disrupt the Philistine food supply. For the Philistines to have an army, they had to feed them. For, for the Philistines to, to have any type of economic uh, growth or, or be anything as a people or a country, they had to have food. And so the Lord said, okay, this is the choices you're gonna make. I'm going to bring about about something in a way that we can take out the Philistines in the process. So, several years pass. Okay, so all of those things happen, craziness, and then uh, several years pass, maybe 10 to 15, they really don't know. And then we pick up in chapter 16. And the Bible says, one day, Samson went to the Philistine town of Gaza and spent the night with a prostitute. So in 10 or 15 years, Samson hasn't changed a bit. He's still doing what he wants to do whenever he wants to do it. He's not listening to counsel. He's not following God's word. If he he wants something, he takes it. Which leads us to the next famous story of Samson. And it's found in chapter 16. The verse four says, sometime later Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah who lived in the valley of Sarek. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, entice Samson to tell you what uh, makes him so strong and how he can be overpowered and tied up securely. Then each of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver or 1,100 shekels of silver. Now, 10 shekels during this time, 10 shekels of silver was considered one year's salary. So these were wages for 110 years. It's a lot of money. But you know what? Delilah loved him. Delilah loved Samson. I mean, she was, there was no way that money was going to influence her. So verse 6, Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me what makes you so strong and what it, take, what it would take to tie you up securely. She sold him out. And we know from history that Samson is no match for a nagging woman. And Delilah takes advantage of him, wears him down to the point where he finally tells her, where his strength is, and his strength is in his hair. Now, of course, he didn't have magic hair. (laughs) That was just what the Holy Spirit used to make him strong. It was something that he was supposed to keep out of obedience to God. So they cut his hair, and while he was asleep, she wakes him up. She cries out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. And when he woke up, he thought, I'll do as I've done before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. Samson didn't even know that God wasn't with him anymore. This is how self-reliant he had become. And I think there's times in our life where we may have felt the same thing. Maybe we made decisions that we shouldn't have made. Maybe we went down a road or a path that we shouldn't have gone on, and we did it selfishly. We may have done it out of rebellion. We may have done it out of pride. And we think, oh, yeah, we're good. We're going to make our own decisions. This is what's going to make me happy. And before we realize it, we don't see Jesus walking with us anymore. That doesn't mean that we're not saved. That doesn't mean that we're not going to go to heaven one day. But his favor is not there like it once was. And Samson has become so self-delusioned that he does not realize that the Holy Spirit is gone. Verse 21, so the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. So I think it's really important from time to time that we need to ask ourselves some questions to avoid blind spots. And with pride, I think we need to ask ourselves the question, do we still listen to counsel from others? Or have we gotten to a point where we think we know it all? Or where or, or, or we think, you know what, I don't really want to hear other people's opinions because they might tell me something that I don't want to hear. We've got to ask ourselves that. Because pride is so good at disguising itself. Pride is the worst blind spot because it will make you think that you don't have blind spots. Everybody else does, but not me. And so if we show that we're not listening to others, we show that we're not teachable, which is a sure sign that we have pride issues. Secondly, do I compromise in the small things? and the small things of life, do we compromise? I remember uh, one time I was on a, a business trip in we had gone into a convenience store. It was more like a Target. And we bought some playing cards just so we would have something to do at night. And when we did, we bought some other stuff and we got outside and we realized that the the cashier didn't ring us up for something. And it was like 10 bucks or something like that. And so I went back in and I said, hey, just so you know, we got this and it didn't end up on our receipt. For some reason, it didn't scan. So we need to go ahead and and purchase this. And of course, the the person behind the counter is like, you came back in for 10 bucks. Are you kidding me? And I go, yep. Why? She seriously said, why in the world would you do that? And, and I told her, I said, because nothing is worth me losing God's favor on my life. Not 10 bucks, not, not something bigger than that. And, and I'm not saying that just to toot my own horn because Lord knows I've got my own issues and I struggle like anybody else. But I've lived long enough to know there's nothing more, more valuable in my life than God's hand. His favor. And so, guys, nothing is worth compromising your values. Nothing is worth compromising in that. And so we have to ask ourselves, in those situations, if, 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 if God was looking, would we do the same thing or would we compromise? And then thirdly, am I easily offended? That was a point from a previous message, but am I uh, on, on being um, being hurt and and dealing with with wounds that we haven't dealt with. But we ask ourselves, are we offended? Because we look at Samson's life and how easily offended he was. He was so mad over a riddle. And he was so mad because his his fiance, who he left at the altar, married somebody else. What was she supposed to do? Just wait around for him for the rest of her life? So he's so easily offendable. And then that offense grows and it, it turns into something super ugly. And then four, am I aware of my weaknesses? Are, are you still carrying weaknesses from 10 or 20 years ago? I mean, are you like Samson where it's like, you look at your life now and it's not really any different and you're still making poor choices? I mean, are you making progress with those hot button sins that the devil puts in your life? Because we all have them. But are we making ground? Are we gaining ground in those areas? Or does the devil continue to make ground in those areas? So those are super good questions to ask. But let's see what happens to Samson. Verse 22, but before long, his hair began to grow back. And the Philistine rulers held a great festival, offering sacrifices and praising their God. They said, our God has given us victory over our enemy, Samson. So they do this big party, and they they bring out Samson as basically a party favor so everybody can just laugh at him. He's a spectacle. Everybody can say, oh, yeah, I remember when Samson was so tough? Well, He's not so tough now. And they used him. They used him, and they, they ridiculed him, and they made fun of him. And in verse 26, the Bible says, Samson said to the young servant who was leading him by the hand, because they're leading him into this place so everybody can ridicule him, place my hands against the pillars that hold up the temple. I want to rest against them. So he's like, hey, just, would you please just let me... Let me put my hands up against these pillars. Let me rest against them. Now, the temple was completely filled with people. All the Philistine rulers were there. And there were about 3,000 men and women on the roof who were watching Samson amused and being amused by him. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me again. So he comes to his rock bottom. And I think we've all been there, right? Our rock bottom is usually what gets us to turn around. Or maybe you haven't hit your rock bottom yet. Or maybe you know somebody that hasn't hit their rock bottom yet. And the truth is, is is their rock bottom, you would have hit that bottom a long time ago, but but they still haven't bottomed out. Well, with Samson, you can't get much lower than this. He's blind, he's a slave. He basically crushes grain by turning a millstone around for hours and hours on end in a dungeon. That's his life. And so he's leaning up against these pillars, and he just says, Lord, remember me again. And you start to read that scripture, and you think, wow, this is it. This is his turnaround. This is his rock bottom. He says, oh, God, please strengthen me just one more time. And you think, he's coming out of it. Samson finally gets it. And then he says, with one blow, let me, ba- let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. <laughs> then Samson put his hands on the two center pillars that held up the temple, pushing against them with both hands. He prayed, let me die with the Philistines. The temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people. So he killed more people when he died than he, than he did during his entire life have all the things that Samson would ask and you might think Samson would say Lord I've blown it I'm so sorry you've given me so much and I've done so little with it forgive me give me another chance heal me and let me serve you the rest of my life you would think that's what he says but he said instead he says give me my strength back so I can avenge my eyes after all this Still self-serving. It's still all about him. You see, Samson was humili- humiliated, but was still not humbled. You can be humiliated, <laughs> but still not be humbled. Now, pride is so dangerous, and we talked about this in in the, in the past few messages. Just talking about how pride cost Lucifer heaven. He gave it up for pride. And if Lucifer can fall down that path, how easy is it for us? And a lot of times it takes us out because it's a blind spot. We don't realize how cocky we've gotten. We don't realize how arrogant we've gotten. We don't realize how we've become how self-reliant we've gotten because pride disguises itself. Others can see it in you, but you can't see it. And when that happens, the enemy's got us right where he wants us. So how I want to end this morning is I want to end by doing two things because there's there's a couple of things that you can do on a daily basis that will so bless you and keep you from this prideful road. The first of which is just bind the spirit of pride in Jesus' name. There is an evil spirit And His job, it's right on His job description, is to make people prideful. So scripture says we have the power and the authority to tread on serpents and we can bind those spirits and and get them away from us. So on a daily basis, just bind the spirit of pride. And then secondly, ask God to clothe you with humility. Now I always give this warning, don't ask God to humble you. There's a difference but ask God just to clothe you in humility. And then we'll walk in humility. And humility is such a beautiful thing. It's such a great characteristic. And, and humility draws others to you where pride repels people from you. But this is something we gotta do on a daily basis. And, and it's a fight. It's something that we have to just make a part of our daily prayer life. So what I wanna do is I want us to stand And the first thing I want you to do is I just want you, in your prayer time right now, I just want you to ask the Lord to bind up the spirit of pride in your life in Jesus' name. Just ask him to do that. So, Lord, bind up the spirit of pride in our lives. I pray in Jesus' name as you do that, Lord, that you would just eradicate that spirit from us. Just get it out of us. Get it away from us in Jesus' name. the Lord if there's something that you've been prideful about that has been a blind spot. Just ask Him. Ask Him to reveal that to you right now. Maybe it's pride in your own abilities. Maybe it's pride in your education. Maybe it's pride in your income. Maybe it's pride in how your kids turned out. Maybe it's pride in your physique. Something's made you arrogant. So Lord, just reveal that to us. Now ask him to forgive you for that. Lord, forgive us for being prideful. Forgive us for being self-reliant. on God's armor, now we wanna put on your humility with it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for being such an awesome example of what humility is. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Well guys, God bless you, don't miss next week. We're gonna be talking about how to make changes, how hard it is to make changes in our life and how we can make changes and reveal these blind spots get rid of them as well. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior and to guide my life, to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text heaven to 94,000 to get in contact with our staff where we can answer any questions you may have. Also, if you're in need of prayer, we would love to support you. You can submit your prayer request by texting prayer support to 94,000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text fellowship to 94,000 to connect with our staff. As always, we are still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week in person or online.